What up? It's your boy Tony Sumo coming to you with another episode. But before I get down with my guest, let me get my plugs out of the way. Go to dirtycleaneats.com. Check out the product there. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, and listen to their podcast, the DCE Pirate Radio Podcast on iTunes now. Use the code DCE Tony Sumo for 10% off in store now. And check out fightkingdom.com. You can search for the Tiny Sumo Tea in the products tab, or you can follow the link in my bio. You can find Fight Kingdom on Facebook and Instagram and use the code Tiny Sumo for 10% off in store with those guys as well. And while you're online, do your boy a favor, check him out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, subscribe, like, share, follow, all those sort of things. Leave a five star review, tell your friends, tell your family, let them all know. Because your boy appreciates the support and the love, but I think that's enough of a plug. So let me get down with my guest. You, Janae, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for taking the time to have a chat. I really appreciate it. It's all good. No problem. Thank you. No worries at all. All right, cool. So look, I don't know if you've seen any of the chats before, uh, but what I like to do before we talk about any fights or anything like that is I like to get a little bit of a backstory and I like to find out how people got involved in fighting in the first place. Mm-hmm. So if you could, can you take me back to the start? How did you get started fighting? Um, so the first thing I started in was karate, kind of around the age of about 11. Um, I started in Shotokan and uh, I, I tried like everything um, in the way of sports and hobbies and that kind of thing. And then I kind of gravitated towards the idea of martial arts. And once I started it, I think I just uh, really liked the individual aspect of it and um, I guess the competitive side of it as well. And then um, so I did that for maybe like four or five years. I, I attained my black belt and did some competitions and whatnot. And then um, I sort of got to the age of about 15. And I kind of wanted something a little bit more competitive and a little bit more challenging. So um, it just so happened that there was an MMA school around the corner from my mum's work at the time and um it happened to be puma and we tried it out and um yeah i stayed there a very long time and i pretty much never left and then once i um had finished school and everything like that and i was um able to commit to training a little bit more full time uh i decided to make it less of a hobby and more of a career and I had my first fight and it went really well. And then from then on in, I just kind of pursued it a hundred percent. So it was sort of a slow transition, but I eventually discovered MMA. So how long between when you've walked into Puma and when you've actually taken the fight? Like what was the time, the time block there? Well, I was 15 at the time. So I kind of was working and um, doing school, of course, and trying to maintain a social life. So yep. um, I wasn't necessarily training full time as well. So um, it wasn't until um, I was 18 that I had my first fight. Uh, kind of like a few months after I'd graduated high school um, and I was able to be training full-time, properly commit to things like jiu-jitsu, which I had neglected until then, and and really commit to a fight camp and understanding how to get shark tanked and cut a little bit of weight and whatnot. So, yeah, it was maybe like um, two and a half years or so after after walking into Puma, I had my first fight, and, yeah, went on from there. Nice, and then obviously like straight into the deep end. I mean, the thing is to, yeah. to to look at your resume. The first fight off the bat is another well-known Australian, you know, female featherweight in uh, Megan Anderson. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd had one C-class fight before her, and mm-hmm. then um, she'd had one B-class fight against uh, um, a girl that I had trained with a few times as well. And then, of course, it only seemed um, viable to to have the match up between us two. 
Um, and at the time we, I think it was at a catch weight of uh, about 64 kilos because I wasn't really into cutting weight at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the time everyone kind of wanted me to drop down to bantam weight, but I was happy to do my first fight around 65 kilos, second fight, 64 kilos. And then after that, I dropped down to bantam. Um, but yeah, it was like kind of straight off the bat, but we were definitely well matched because we both had the same sort of experience, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good fight to have at the start. Oh, it's very cool to see two, like, you know, uh, two of currently, especially the most successful uh, girls that Australia have put out um, in terms of like the world stage that they sort of mm-hmm. both got their start together. That's a very cool sort of little backstory, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's cool to see, like, um, I, I'm sure back then we would have really um, seen, foreseen the future that we now are in and, and the positions that we are now in. So it's really cool to kind of know that that's in our histories and we've both played a big part in each other's past. Absolutely. All right. So then when you've sort of gone from that amateur, you know, amateur MMA, but you're making the full-time commitment, you know, when you're fighting amateur, are, are you thinking in your head, like, this is it for me. I want to be a professional. I want to, you know, I want to fight on the world stage or at that point, is it still, I just want to see where it's going. Yeah. Sort of still seeing where it's going. Cause I guess, um, back then as well, this was maybe like six or so years ago, uh, women weren't in the UFC yet. So it was sort of like, I guess I could make it to Invicta, um, Strike force was starting to kind of die out and transition over and um, get bored out and everything like that. So that was sort of a little bit confusing as you couldn't see a clear pathway to a successful future. Mm. Um, so it was sort of like, should I, shouldn't I? And then um, I think just one day, um, one of our, uh, Mark Fuel from um, America was over helping, uh, Benny Alloway was one of my teammates at the time. And um, he was just, helping out in the gym and as like more of a guest coach, I guess you could say. And he was the one that sort of said to me, because I, I remember clearly he was like, you either want to do this as a hobby or as a career. Cause I, I I'm assuming cause he saw potential in me, but at the same time, he could see that there was a little bit of hesitation in committing it a hundred percent. So um, at the time I was just kind of like, true. I, I was still, I guess the whole idea of once you finish school, you're kind of looking for what to study or what career path to take. And then, at the time, I was sort of a little bit confused as to how I'm going to make this a career. And then I guess um, once he said that, I was like, you know what? This is what I love to do and this is what I'm good at. So um, I might as well commit to it 100%. And then luckily enough, a couple of years down the track, we've got um, women in not on the UFC, but in Bellator and in Victor and PFL and all these leading shows. So it's um, it's super exciting. It's a very viable option for any female to get started in now and, and have a good future in. So it worked out for the best. But, yeah, there was a little bit of hesitation at the start. I can imagine that's sort of one of the things. I mean, MMA, you know, comparative to other sports is obviously still in its infancy. But, you know, mm. women's MMA on the world stage, like you're saying, it's it's taken such a big jump. And it's definitely trickling down, you know. Like I spend a lot of my time at local shows covering local fighters, you know, right from from fighters having their sort of first time in the cage. Yeah. And there's been a massive influx of female fighters, and it's awesome to see. I mean, you, you're starting to see now where it's, you know, there, there's plenty of cards now where they're co-main or main event or, mm. you know, the, the title fights between the girls are taking centre stage on the cards. And, and just to think six years ago, like you said, that might not have been an option. Definitely. And I think, like, the positive thing about women in our sport is that we haven't as much as obviously there is a little bit of segregation and gender equality, but for us, I mean, we get treated basically the same as, as men. Like you get paid the same, you get treated the same on cards. I mean, today, even today we had a UFC card with another um, female headliner 
and uh, it happens more often than not. Yesterday there was a Bellator card with five female fights on it. So that in itself is a large majority of the card covering female athletes. And it's not like it gets a second look. It's it's still, oh, great, that's a, that's a headline fight. It's not, oh, it's a headline female fight. It's just a headline fight because MMA is so young in its, in its ways that it's so almost just normalized that we have these females kind of as a part of the sport. And um, as you can see, like, the growing phenom of, of women's MMA is, is creating some definitely some more popularity with girls getting into the sport, getting to even just the individual aspects like boxing or kickboxing or jiu-jitsu itself. So it's really cool to see and how it kind of like domino effects down. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point too that you made, that it's sort of not only has it trickled down, you know, that, that girls are taking part in MMA itself, but then the sort of feeder sports, I guess. Like you said, there, there's way more females now involved in jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai. I mean, we've always had a good Muay Thai scene over here. You know, there's yeah. always been a lot of girls involved. But I still do think same sort of deal. There's more involved because they're going, okay, maybe I want to do MMA down the track. Maybe that's something for me. But before I do that, maybe I've got to go get my blue belt or, or maybe I've got to have yeah. a couple of smokers or whatever it may be. So that is really cool to see. 100%. And even at a young age, like it's just a little bit more normalized, a little bit seen as as an opportunity for people whereas i think maybe a couple of years back since there wasn't all these females that were on magazine covers and t- like mainstream tv and on every social media outlet then you wouldn't have been able to see it as kind of as much of a normalized thing for them to be doing combat sports whereas you kind of can now understand with the large diversity of female athletes that we have in in the big shows like ufc and bellator and that kind of thing that it, there's no one perfect fit for MMA. You don't have to be butch or you don't have to be super pretty. There's not, there's no kind of in between or anything. There's no one square aspect that you have to look like. So you can, it's literally for everyone as long as you enjoy it. I, that's, that's a good point that you made too. Like the marketing aspect has even changed mm. because I distinctly remember um, Ronda Rousey, Sarah Kaufman in Strike Force. Yeah. And I remember that, you know, like at the time they were still, you know, like Rousey was still being played as like a sex symbol and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And they tried to have the same marketing for Sarah. And you're like, it's, it, but it's not her. That's not what, yeah. you know, but you're seeing, you're not seeing that now. You're not seeing that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, like Rose, they, they had a big push on Rose. And obviously she's very pretty, but has the shaved head and, She's yeah. off doing organic gardening and stuff, yeah. and doing like lead up videos, and whatever it may be. So it's like they've gone, oh no, let's just go. All right, this is just athlete. They're, they're, they're an athlete, they're a fighter. Mm. Let's just market them as that. And whatever they do in their spare time, we'll just film that too. You know, yeah, they've, I think they've, they've kind of realized. Yeah, no, it's awesome to see. It's, it's really cool to see. People, especially like um, someone like Amanda Nunes, like as you can see, obviously the UFC has their favoritism with some people, but someone like Amanda Nunes, she's almost forced them to build her up. She's improved her English, but she, she, from the, like the very beginning, she wasn't really relating to the Western market because she didn't have very good English. She's obviously gay. So she's, she's changing that kind of stereotype from going from someone like Ronda Rousey, who's, um, you can put on covers and everything to someone who's a little bit more butch and a little bit more on the opposite end of the spectrum. But you can't, you have like, she almost just with her skills, you had to accept her because she's amazing. And, and she's such a great champion. She's still, has a great personality as much as it's taken a little bit longer for her to develop it through the screen and, and have that kind of be like received to the audience. But at the same time, she's kind of forced you to, to like her. And so I think people like her and Rose and all that kind of thing, they've sort of forced you to be like, all right, we have to just build these girls up as they are because there's no one set 
girl that we're going to have coming through our ranks and we're going to have to sign everyone because they can't that you can't help it they're just coming through with the experience and the and the performances that they want so it's almost like developed its own kind of i don't know quality no it's it, it has and it's it's very interesting to sort of watch i mean mma has been a very interesting thing to watch in its growth in general both from a sport and a um I guess a marketing tool aspect and all that, all that sort of stuff, you know, it's been such a massive change, but I think if you were to put just females MMA under that microscope for a second, the change that's been in that, I mean, the marketing, like you said, just has such a massive shift and look at today's card. I mean, like you said, look at today's, you know, today's fight night. Yeah. You had the females as the main event and you had Uriah Faber as the co-main. The co-main event, which is now, insane. Yeah. Now, if you had said that a couple of years ago, if you had said Uriah Faber is going to be on the main card, but there's going to be a female fight ahead of him. No, it's not a title fight. It's just a fight. Yeah. People would have gone, no. Nah, and both girls have only had about 10 fights each. Yep. And, they're yeah, they're both kind of steady in their careers. They're not um, – they're both top 10 ranks, but, they're yeah, they're not anything um, – like crazy like they don't obviously have the the resume that someone like your eye favor has so that's crazy yeah that was very cool to see and it's been very cool to see um the pfl's push you know they've they've brought in that one million dollar tournament for 155 as well which i thought was wild first yeah yeah that was that was crazy i thought they brought in and like you know the heavier weight sort of especially for the girls you know i mean it's hard enough to sort of have girls at 145 let alone 155 and then they've got some absolute killers in there Exactly. And they've got some really cool names. Like if someone like, like you said, Sarah Kaufman, like you wouldn't have expected. Um, like obviously, as you can see from a lot of like girls, especially in the UFC, I guess would be the best example. A lot of girls are jumping between divisions, which is understandable. Um, because a lot of us, like there's still not the population there that we would have with the, the male divisions. But, um, at the same time, we were kind of fight each other. And so we're jumping between divisions and some girls jump up or down or whatever, like today. Jermaine was kind of jumping down in a way as she was the first ever featherweight fight in the UFC, but now she's fighting at bantamweight again, Aspen. And then we've got people in the PFL lightweight league and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible. I mean, it's, I guess it's the best weekend to talk about it after having PFL, Bellator and um, the UFC all headlining with females and, or having a, a large amount of females on the roster. And I can say this as well. Like I've had um, Alima Lay McFarland's coach on the chat before. Um, yeah. Uh, and and I've spoken to him about you know like because he works heavily with like female fighters. That's essentially you know yeah. like the majority of, the majority of the girls that he has. He's got the Mean Girls crew, you know, like and he's, yeah. he's working with like Liz Carmouche and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. And um and I spoke to him about it. He goes, I way prefer working with girls. Yeah. He goes, I just, he, he goes, cause they come in in there and they sort of already know they're like, no, I've just got to go in there and I've got to go in there with the right mindset and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And, and he goes, you know, there wasn't ever any sort of like hangups with it. They knew that if they were jumping into this, they just had to jump into it. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. I think like there's, there's obviously personalities in both genders, but from what I've personally experienced with teaching, um, in the past and, and, um, sometimes currently is that you see like, females have a little bit more to prove and I guess that's always a good motivation to try a little bit harder and pay a little bit more attention so a lot of the time they're easier to teach because they're gonna they're gonna like really assess what's happening and and what they're learning and what skill it is and how they're gonna hold their hand and how their elbows are gonna be tucked and blah 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 whereas like like a lot of the time not all the time but a lot of the time um men have less to prove and they can rely on strength and that kind of thing so they don't have to be 100% 
of the technique, they can kind of meet it halfway or, and then sort of, I guess the athletic abilities kind of take over for the rest, but it's really cool to see. And so I think that's as much as MMA, especially for females is developing this, the skill isn't, I, I personally don't think is yet at the standard of, of the men could just because of the sheer use of it. It, it does mean that a lot of the girls that are coming over are super skill based at, at least one thing like they're that you've got like world championship boxes and kickboxes. And then, um, Joanna Jacek, who's obviously had a massive Muay Thai resume. And then like Ronda Rousey had the judo and there's Amanda Nunes has a black belt as well as great striking and that kind of th- thing. So you're finding people transitioning over and that's where you get the really skilled kind of people. And then as well as that, the people are coming through like developing an all round base. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you've got someone like, like you said, Kayla Harrison. I mean, she's essentially the face of the PFL at the minute. Yeah. It's wild. It's crazy. It's I mean, really cool. I mean, what double gold medalist in the Olympics, the most successful judo athlete the US has ever produced. Yeah, she should be marketed. And that's just, and that's very cool to see. It's very cool yeah. to see that someone that's bringing that resume across and it's well deserved. You're a two time gold medalist. That's that in itself. If you just hadn't, if you were saying nothing else, if you, if she didn't get involved in MMA, that should be a big deal. But to bring that across MMA, be undefeated, you know, in this million dollar tournament, she's essentially, like you said, you know, there was these females that forced it upon, I guess, the MMA community. Like, you know, Amanda forced it on the, the UFC fans to take notice of her. Mm. Ronda Rousey before that forced female MMA on Dana White, you know, to get the shot in the UFC. And I think Kayla's sort of doing the same thing in the PFL. Like, no, no, put us in. Put like, yeah. put us yeah. in. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna put on a show. You got to put us in. So speaking yeah. of putting on a show, then I mean, you're currently on a two fight win streak in Bellator. You also took a boxing fight as well. Yeah, um, recently. So I usually, not usually box, but I have kind of consistently boxed over the last few years, just in between MMA fights. Um, but yeah, I recently took up a boxing fight in Perth. Um, I think like two months ago mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately I got super sick. It's just that time of the year and I, I kind of took it up on a couple of weeks notice and I was super confident in my abilities. Um, but yeah, just the flu that was going around, I ended up catching it and then it sort of affected the, the pre- preparation coming into that, that fight and my gas tank ultimately let me down. But um, it's still a great like experience for me, especially just to get involved in boxing. I mean, Last year I fought Taylor Harris and that was a fun fight and um, it was an extremely close decision and like some people sort of could, could have gone either way and stuff, which is always going to happen in boxing, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just like keeping my um, experience there. It, I guess a large roster like Bellator, it's hard to expect them to get me on all the time as much as I'm contracted to what I'm contracted to. I'm expecting it to be stretched out to the to the time frame that they um, wrote in the contract. but. Um, I can use things like boxing and I mean, I think the start of, oh, like midway through last year, I also had a Muay Thai fight and that kind of thing. I obviously enjoy jujitsu. I want to do more jujitsu comps, but it's always good to stay active in between. Yeah. Nice. All right. So, I mean, with that sort of, you know, the boxing fight done recently, mm. what have you got coming up? I mean, the, the two fight win streak in Bellator has to say something with the, the amount of girl fights that's coming up as well. What are we looking at for the rest of the year? Is there anything planned at the minute? Have we got anything in the works? Yeah, well, I'm expecting I'm expecting around September to have something matched. Unfortunately, I don't have anything in, in writing or anything as of yet, but obviously we're always in talks and um, just waiting for my opportunity. And after the three 
featherweight fights over the weekend, I'm expecting that maybe one of those girls will get matched up with me or at least somebody else that wasn't on the roster. We can now concentrate on the other people that didn't fight in the division. And um, I know that I've got two fights left on this contract. So I've got, um, I think, another like, six to seven months left of, of the time frame that it has to be used. And so I'm, I'm hoping to get the two out by the end of the year. Um, there's no guarantees because of course it's a, it's a very busy promotion, but there's a lot of cards coming up. I mean, there's a San Jose card coming up on the 7th of September. Um, there's a Dublin card on the 27th. There's an Italy card straight after that. Um, and then there's possibly a talks of another card in, in between those dates. So, so yeah, there's definitely heaps of opportunity and I'm expecting around about there that I'll get matched. Well, fingers crossed. There you go, Bellator. You heard it. Let's get her on a card. There's plenty of cards coming up with lots of girls in the division, lots of opportunities. Fingers crossed something gets matched soon then because um, I'm excited. I, I want to see you fight again. I'm sure the fans want to see you fight again. I just want to see fights in general. I'm, I'm a massive, yeah. you know, I'm a tragic for it. But uh, I want to see as many fights as possible. And the more cards, the better. The more opportunities I get to watch fights, the better. And I think the more opportunities that female fighters like yourself can get out and put on a show – it's, it's better, again, you know, for the local scene, for the local circuit, the grassroots MMA, fighters like yourself, you know, really sort of, uh, whether you know it or not, you know, help push that on the grassroots level because girls who are thinking about taking their first fight, maybe I can do it, maybe I can't. They're able to see someone like you doing it on the world stage and that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think, I think as well, as much as you guys love to watch fights, I know myself personally and a lot of guys around me, we love to fight, so... I just like putting on a show and and as much as as we've talked about from a very beginning we weren't too sure about the future ahead and now here I am and the second biggest promotion in the world I'm in a very very positive place on a two-fight win streak like I just want to keep the momentum going I just want to get the support behind us and slowly grow MMA in Australia as well if I can get momentum behind me in Bellator and hopefully eventually fingers crossed bring this the promotion to Australia, that would be even better. And just having the fans kind of see that not only can we fight in these promotions, but we can fight in our backyard on these promotions. Awesome. No, that's fantastic. That's what I want to see in the future. All right, look, before we wrap it up, I'd like to give people an opportunity to get any plugs, mention shout-outs, anything like that out of the way. So anyone you want to mention, let them know now. And when I post up later on, we can tag them in too. Okay, awesome. Um, I just want to massively thank my team, my gyms that I'm going to at the moment. Um, big thanks to Mira Ethos Performance and Redwood at the Grange High Performance and Triple X Academy under Nathan Reddy. Um, then I've got the guys in my corner. As usual, we always need sponsors to get through this journey. So I'd like to thank Ruka Australia for, for backing me. Um, fit and healthy chef, uh, for keeping me nutrition dense and keep everything covered through that aspect. Um, and then I'd also like to thank, um, now I'm forgetting people. Um, combat nutrition for keeping the absolute best supplements on the Australian market currently and now moving towards worldwide. Banned substance tested, natural ingredients. It's amazing and it keeps me completely fueled. So yeah, I'd love to thank those guys. There you go. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned them because I actually stole I one forgot. of the, I stole one of the pictures of you in one of their t-shirts and I'm going to yeah. use it as the still image for the chat. Perfect. So I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad that you mentioned because I would have been like, oh, I got to, oh, I might have to find another picture, but we're yeah. all good. Something it's all I'm sorted. super passionate about too, and I just seem to forget. But, but there, honestly, I don't ever have any brands that I team up with that I haven't already kind of pursued in the past or that aren't on the same ethical kind of like lane way as I am. So they're definitely one, like a massive, massive 
um, game changer, especially for Australia. There we go. Awesome. All right, look, like I said earlier, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope to see you back in the cage soon. Thank you very much. Appreciate the chat. No worries at all. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. See ya.